Hey folks, uh, welcome to our podcast. Uh, I'm glad to be joined uh, today by uh, two of the closest pastors that we have on staff here of our elder-led church. Abe Miller, our administrative pastor, and Jason Jackson, our discipleship pastor. We'll learn a little bit what that means, those designations behind your name and maybe a little bit of mine as well. Uh, so the um, what we're talking about today in our podcast is really kind of how we do church at a leadership level. And uh, so Sailorville Church is a church, uh, well, pre-COVID and as COVID sort of winding down, church of 12 to 1300 people that attend on a regular basis. We're close to a thousand returning as it is right now. And we still have a lot of people watching online. And the purpose of the podcast today is sort of a spinoff from the series we're doing in 1 Thessalonians, where Paul uh, sort of winds down the first book and goes through a, a plethora of things that uh, the, this young church is supposed to be yeah. mindful of. One of them is just submission to the leadership. He talks about that. And uh, then he just sort of goes into a litany of things uh, where he says, we exhort you to warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, uh, be patient with everyone, don't pay, repay evil for evil, but do good to everyone, pray constantly, give thanks all the time, this is God's will, uh, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, test everything, hold fast what's good, and um, stay away from every kind of, of evil. And so there are just a lot of things that we said are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. Right. Our mantra is what? More people, more like Jesus. All right. So with that in mind, uh, we thought this would be a good podcast to just talk about how we do that at a leadership uh, kind of uh, level. So uh, Sailorville Church is an elder-led church. Um, Abe, um, we haven't always been an elder-led church per se. We just codified that a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But um, how did we get there? Yeah, uh, back several years. So yeah, we've you've been here, what, 23 years? Almost. Yeah, and I've been almost 20. So I think it, you know, back in the day, the staff was a lot smaller. The pastoral staff was yeah. a lot smaller. Um, and we had probably more of the traditional lead lead guy, lead pastor, um, and then we had like the youth pastor in college and we had a counseling guy. Um, but I think that, I think we over time transitioned more to the elder, more of a team mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think you recognize that as the lead guy, like you have a lot of strengths, you have a lot of gifts, a lot of leadership, but also knowing there's other people on staff that have, have those different gifting, different, mm -hmm. different strengths than maybe you do. Mm -hmm. And I think as as we morphed into that, we saw like, oh man, this is really a picture of the body of Christ in a different um, on a leadership level. on a leadership level to see those like, oh man, that guy's that guy's really mercy, and that guy is um, details, and that guy is big picture, or that guy's evangelistic, or whatever. And I think that has that has morphed into more what we are now with the elder led team. You know, there's six of us mm -hmm. on the on the elder team, and it's. And you still see that. You just see the different gifting, the different personalities, the way that God has wired us, and it it makes us a better team. I think we're I think we're better than, than we were before. Instead of having more of like the one guy yeah. making all the calls and the shots, which worked when the church was smaller too. Yeah. And I think as the church has gotten bigger, you just one guy just can't or two guys just can't handle all of the things that are going on with the staff and the church and the 
the church plans. So, so you you sort of went through a history of how we sort of morphed into it, but it was also first and foremost it was a biblical way of looking at it. We see elders leading the church in the New Testament. Uh, we do see the Bible teaching a, a kind of a first among equals. Somebody has to lead. And that's I'm, I'm the lead elder, but yet submissive to you guys. How does that even work, Jason? I'm leading you, but I'm submitting to you. How, how does that even happen? I think it starts in your heart and our heart, actually. Um, when we have conversations, when we come to decision points, when we're trying to wrestle through what God might have us do as a church, we're, we're all on the same team. We all have gifts, abilities, specialties in a sense. We all have passions that go one direction or another. And uh, I, I think submit is a great word. So we submit to you, you submit to us. And it doesn't mean that we're all unanimous with every decision, but it does mean that we move forward with, um, with unity. There's a difference there, I think. You don't have to be unanimous to move forward with unity. And we've, kind of, we've wrestled with that and kind of struggled with that sometimes, but not always perfect, but there's that great family, team feeling. And uh, we're, we're growing in it, honestly. So you're not saying that we're, we've got it all figured out. No. We don't have some rows. We don't have some issues with each we other. We just do whatever you want, and that makes it go That's easier. what I was hoping we could finally yeah. get to. All right, so. Yeah. Uh, so. But, but actually, arguments and tension and stuff, that's not bad. That's not a yeah. sign of, of, like, unhealthy teams, right. right? I think an unhealthy team is one that never has any, that never acknowledges that there's any tension. We can't run away from conflict. We just have to acknowledge it and deal with it. And uh, there's always tension. It's part of health. Yeah. And I would agree. I mean, you know, when I came 20, almost 23 years ago, I was the lead guy. I did make all the decisions. The buck mm. always stopped with me. And uh, I made a few mistakes along the way. I still make mistakes. And I think of all the mistakes I make today. And there was nobody there to filter them or check me on them except for the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, he did a lot better job than the two of you. I just want you to know right now. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that having functioned now for quite some time as an elder-led church, uh, it, I, I, I'm probably the greatest benefactor. to. There's no, there's no question but that I am the greatest benefactor to an elder-led system because my weaknesses that you just alluded to, although you didn't specify them, uh, are really now in check because your, your strengths come up we're just better together, as you often say, Jason. And ours are, too. You, you know, I, I'm weak in a lot of areas. Abe is strong in. I'm, I'm strong in areas that maybe you, uh, well, not you, Pastor, but maybe Abe is weak in. Um, we are better together, and when one of us gets better, we all get better. So we, we work on that together. Well, let's, uh, uh, since we've, you know, we've just had our kumbaya and our love fest here, you know, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's just stay on this just for a few more moments. I mean, there are actually six uh, recognized <clears throat> vocational elders mm -hmm. on staff at Sayreville Church. We are three. Uh, uh, Kurt DeGraff is an elder as well. Paul Seymour is an elder. And uh, Jared uh, uh, Leonard is our youngest elder, and he's been an elder for a couple of years. Uh, so what, uh, I, can, you, can you think of a time where we didn't get along on something and we really had to wrestle through it and we still at least liked each other, even if we didn't love each other when we were done or something. I mean, I, I, I didn't write anything down. I'm just kind of wondering. I can think of a couple of things, but anything come to your mind where we we just kind of butted heads on something? Yeah, I, I think it's more, I think when it comes to like biblical things, it doesn't seem like there's as much, because the Bible speaks and we all would say, yeah, that's what the Bible says. I think it yeah. comes down to more like the wisdom 
yeah, I don't know, like, what's got that ring of truth? I think that's where we get more of, like, I don't, I mean, that's just a wisdom thing. That's just a spirit-led thing, you know, and then there's unity. And I think that's where we get, like, the most pushback, I would say. And but, maybe and maybe recognizing, we're not talking about a hit chapter and verse there. Right, right, right. And so that that's the part that I think we get the most um, back and forth. But I think everybody says, okay, yeah, I don't, my idea might not be the best, yeah. so I need to listen to everybody else. Which I think that's what makes us good is we yeah. can we can yield, and you, you've used that word before too. You know, yield to each other. Say, yeah, I, I see your point. I mm-hmm. see your side. Like, let's go with that. That seems like to be the wisest decision. Well, wisdom from above mm-hmm. is willing to yield, and I think that's something we've been growing in, which has been a blessing. I, I have one thing that came to my mind. I put uh, Jason, you on the chopping block. We have a, we've just produced a book that you are. You really are the the principal author of uh, editor it's the, editor yeah yeah but really the main the main editor the main editor all, and uh, it's called uh, it's called more like Jesus yeah. it's the second half of our mantra yeah. uh, I still remember when you submitted a one page yeah. uh, kind of overview mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago and it, it was kind of, perfect. I mean, yeah, I mean, it went around the group. In fact, we didn't just bring the elders in. We brought a few directors in. Yep. And what happened on that day? Can you tell us what was happening? And well, be honest, what was happening in your heart as well as your head? Well, I made the mistake of asking someone else's opinion is what there happened. You so, you know, if it was up to me, we'd, we'd have a one-page perfect thing. But what we have instead is uh, is actually something much better. It's something that everybody that um, that we asked has input into it, and everybody has ownership, and it'll be used broadly now instead of just one person's project. And, you know, Abe said something to me, um, actually repeated it several times when I first came on staff about five years ago. He said, if you're going to be on staff here, and this was mostly because I would whine to Abe about hurt feelings and stuff, he would say... <laughs> He would say, you've got to have thick skin and a soft heart, yeah. right? And so that was a great, that's a great illustration of that. At, that. at that point, which is maybe a year and a half ago or so, I had gotten to the stage where I, I wasn't crying over every time that I gave a, a you know, a proposal and people said, eh, this is, this is less than 50% good, you know? <laughs> uh, so I think we were all right with that. But honestly, what we're talking about here is team leadership and um, you want to get people's uh, opinions and inputs, the ones that you really need, and then ownership. And and you've shown that, and our elder team leads in that way, and then our teams as we sort of filter down through our ministry too. It's a really important way to do it. So, like, one of the things that Jason brings to the table in our elders meeting, he is an idea guy. Uh, not just, sometimes we call him a process guy, but he'll even come up with the idea or the vision itself. Uh, and you did for the, uh, what we called more like Jesus and when that paper went around, I saw it. I saw it in your countenance, <clears throat> countenance, and I really, my heart kind of hurt for you. And yet, I thought, listen, this is the way it is, you know. I mean, because it was just being chopped up as it went around the table. But no one was saying this is not a good idea. No one said this right. is not a good idea. Right. But what they said was. I don't like the way this idea is unpacking it, so yep. we can do it better. Yep. It went back to the drawing board. It wasn't like you threw everything out, right. but that's how we've sort of yeah. advanced the ball down the field a little bit, hasn't it? It's a great way to say that. Uh, we can make it better. You know, we sort of have that phrase here once in a while that we use. What here, Here's a situation, an environment, a program, a ministry, a message, uh, whatever. Is there any way we can make it better? Yeah. And we sort of have to have our open hands on, on all this stuff, and, yeah. and you've helped me with that, and that was a great example. And 
Yeah, we sort of joke about how it got torn into a million pieces, and when it came back to me, it was just, you know, shreds of what we originally... But it's so much better now. Yeah. We break it to make it. That's yeah. another phrase yeah. that you yeah. use. Break it to make it is what we say. And it, it's, it's, it's helped us to get... Not just break it for breaking its sake. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, we, we aren't tolerating people just being contrarians all the time. But to see right. if, there's a, if there's something good in the, in the seed form of it, let's just make it the best we possibly can. Briefly... You're an administrative pastor. Uh, how long have you been in that role? Uh, yeah, 10 years. Okay. So previous to that, you were a youth pastor. A youth guy. Yep. So um, just briefly tell us what your role is as the, as the administrative pastor. Yeah, short I'm interested of, in this. because I'm Short of telling me what to do. <laughs> Let's see. Um, what do you do? What do I do? No, I, I mean, you and I, we've talked about this before about like, you know, the, the day-to-day operations of the church, really. So mostly just all all the different pieces that come together for the church. So, the, you know, the staff, the, the finances, the scheduling, the teams, the, um, the deacons, the building, you know, all of the day-to-day um, kind of operations of the How church. How many paid staff are there here, all total? Uh, 23. Okay. Full-time, part-time. Okay. 12, yeah, 23. And, um, yeah, mostly just making sure everybody's in their lane, doing what they're supposed to be doing, all for the larger purpose, you know. So I'm kind of trying to look over all of it and, you know, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, Jason's doing what he's doing, you know. What what does what does Pat Nemers need to do as our lead guy? What does Jason need to do? What is anybody on staff? What's your role for the main, the big picture? And just okay. kind of keeping everybody on task. And you pretty much meet with all the managers. You kind of manage the managers in a sense, don't you? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you actually had, on top of that, you were uh, sort of governing our small group system, which we call cell mm-hmm. groups here, mm-hmm. uh, four or five years ago, right? Yep. And then had, almost had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yep. And I was willing to let you go there. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the ground. He picked me up. And uh, so what had happened was uh, five years previous to that, when you uh, became the administrative guy, I tried, to, I tried to replace you as the youth guy with this guy to become our next youth guy. And he said, no, I'm good where I'm at, but Turn I think I'm, down. I'm good for another five years anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's about exactly how long you were, <clears throat> you were there out east. And uh, then you came along. And you are officially our discipleship pastor. Can you explain what that's all about? Yeah, I, uh, I love my role here. It's, it's a little vague in some ways in the way that almost everything that we do should fit into this, under this uh, you know, broad umbrella of discipleship. So I can do almost anything and call it part of my job. But what I've tried to do is narrow it down to really three things. One is um, working specifically with our cell group environment, and that's mostly with our leaders. So that's the place where discipleship happens on the ground floor of our church right now. Those, those folks are on the front lines, our cell group leaders and co-leaders. They're having the conversations. They're experiencing that life change together with people in their small groups or their cell groups. Uh, another area that I do that is, um, is, is development, which is you know, sort of another side of the discipleship coin, but it's more on the um, vocational ministry type people. So interns may be uh, residents in our church planting um, uh, residency, you know, men and women that are going to go off and uh, couples that are going to go off and plant churches. So I get to I get to see that side of things as well. So there's the discipleship and the development side, and I love both of those things together. It's really been a fun experience. 
Well, Jason definitely has a big engine in him. He does a lot of stuff, and probably sometimes we have to maybe say, don't do that. But uh, I can't think of anything you turned down. And in fact, we don't really have a cell group recovery program, but right. if we did, you'd be over that too, because, <laughs> yeah. uh, because you and your wife take in uh, cell group leaders who have burn, been burned out over a period of time, yeah. sort of help them to recover and kind of get back into the system as well. Yeah, leaders and people that maybe were in cell groups that maybe it just wasn't a healthy cell group, or maybe it was a bad breakup with their old cell <laughs> group or something, and it was my wife's idea, and she, you know, she calls it cell group rehab, so we, we run a rehab ministry. <laughs> And we have about a thousand people with the kids thrown yeah. in there, do we? And so yeah, we in do. our small group system, and that really, uh, a church our size, so uh, has to have some real organization. And we consider our cell group uh, system of a thousand, give or take, to be really the lifeblood of our church. And without that, we wouldn't have these deep connections that uh, are so necessary yeah. for our walk with God. Yeah, it's, it's the place where people are, are really doing life-on-life life stuff, which I know is kind of a cliche, but that, that's where they're asking the hard questions, ideally. That's when, they're, um, that's when sin is being revealed. That's when they're celebrating together. That's when they're experiencing the abundance that Jesus has called us to experience together. And it, it's hard, but you know, healthy things are, are hard sometimes. They're yeah. difficult. And yeah. uh, we've got a 52 groups and... It's uh, it's just a joy to be a part of it, really. They're my heroes, our cell group leaders. Yeah, they should be, too. I mean, these two guys are good friends as well. You don't see him. You don't see you on the platform. How come you don't aspire to be up on the platform and speaking? And When we have people like you guys, I mean, why would I go up there? <laughs> Everybody wants more Abe, though. <laughs> we often say that Abe's the guy behind the curtain pulling all the strings, but... But uh, you will see and do see uh, Jason up on the pulpit from time to time, actually preaching this weekend. I am. God bless you as you do. So, um, uh, so and my role is is uh, as the lead guy is kind. Of, I'm just sort of the ex officio over the whole enchilada, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, I'm not quite sure what questions you think our audience would want to put toward me. Do you think there's? I mean, maybe everybody already knows what a lead guy is like. Well, yeah, I think I think. Maybe even like you asked me at the beginning, how has how has our leadership changed? How has your leadership changed when we went went from a church of several hundred, mm-hmm. you know, to over a thousand? I mean, how have how have you had to morph and change in that? Because you have you have changed. Well, I've been forced to change. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, uh, no, I didn't really go at it kicking and screaming, but uh, uh, I always thought it was, a, it was a, it's a little bit about that, like to use the analogy of the paper that went around that, that you, oh, yeah, your proposal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a good idea. I just didn't know how that was going to happen. And to all jokes aside, you are the principal player who has urged me over the years, now you've served alongside of me for a decade, to say, Pastor, you need to release authority, release authority, release mm-hmm. authority. I think it would, you know, John 3, verse 30, where John says, he, Jesus, must increase. I need to decrease. Mm-hmm. And there is that real sense in which that has to happen as a church like ours has grown to the numbers that it is. I can't do everything. I'm not, I'm not a good micromanager. And uh, so to release that and to trust all the managers, mm-hmm. starting with you, to do your jobs, that's, th- that's where I affirm you, by affirming what you're doing and not cut you off of the pass mm-hmm. all the time. Can I just say, I, I think... You know, from a human standpoint, and we can't ever remove the Holy Spirit, but let's just talk about the 
I think the human secret sauce is this right here. You know, it's the relationship that you two have uh, have and have grown into and continue to grow in. Uh, this is where the team starts, really. And your personality and your personality and your giftedness and the two roles that you have, that connection uh, that, that then dominoes to the rest of our staff and the rest of our congregation, I think that's really, really key. And God has allowed the two of you to really, in many senses, lead together, along with others, but right at the core of that. Um, that's something very special, and, and probably, from a human standpoint, other churches, and maybe even people that are watching that are part of other churches, don't see as much of that. And maybe even our own people don't realize how unique this is. It's, I've never seen it before in the, in the way that you guys run it. Uh, my thought goes to the lunch that we just had. We do lunches normally once a week, uh, catching up personally and things like that, but just because you've been the administrative guy for a decade, you've actually been on staff for almost 20 years. And you know, like no one else on staff, that my philosophy has always been to bring everybody on staff together. Let's, let's keep us as close as we can. Let's not let anybody be out there on the periphery. And when, Jason, when you talk about the relationship we have, it's, it, it has been a developing, growing, changing, morphing relationship over the years. Talk about that, Abe. How did we go from the, the fearful, uh, just shuddering uh, before his pastor in my office? Uh, Which one of you was fearful? <laughs> this, I'm, ta I'm, talking about, I'm talking about when you were, he was a youth leader. He was a youth leader struggling with his own assurance of salvation. Yeah. And coming to me, you don't need to get into all of that, but how do we go from that Abe yeah, that yeah, I was yeah. talking to in my office mm -hmm. to where we're at today? Yeah, I mean that's been a it's been a long process. I think. I mean, the, you know, the the idea of your strong personality and your strong leadership, which you know God has used to to um, grow Sailorville and the Engage Network and everything. I think that's been that's been a process for me because I yeah I was I was the I was just a member. I was just a youth leader and helping out with the kids in junior high and then. Um, coming on staff. So, I mean, I, that has been something that, you know, I've respected you and then had to move into more of a, okay, we're a team and, you know, and, it, you know, we've just always gotten along and never had any arguments or disagreements <laughs> ever, which is not true. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we go at each other yeah. and we, we push each other. And I, somebody said like, you're the gas and I'm the break. I mean, yeah. you're like, let's go. And I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. you know, like we got to look at this. And, um, but I think that is, I think that's the, you've got, gifting that I don't have but we absolutely need and I've got things that are completely different to you but I think that's what makes it work and I think that's and I think yeah we, we go at each other and we have we have arguments or discussions yeah. but I think you know we've oftentimes asked for forgiveness and yeah. we've said yeah. you know like I was wrong and without that I think that causes a lot of problems yeah. so I think that's uh, that's a secret sauce I think that's that just praise God for that, yeah. that we can say, yeah, we screwed up or we messed up. And you, you've been good at that. You're a strong leader that gets out there and says this, but you're also a strong leader that says, I'll be the first one to, you know, to confess and ask for forgiveness. What you've done from the elders, you've done that with the staff, you've done that with our church. And I think that that's huge because mm -hmm. you, ha you had that strong personality, but you also have that humility that people say, I can get behind that and follow that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's big. Well, that's very nice of you, Abe. Thank you. And everything you said is true. Uh, and I was also thinking about, you kind of went from fearing me, which you've said, 
from fearing me to becoming kind of like a son to me to almost like, hey, I'm not exactly a peer here, but I'm, I've got equal footing here. And that didn't happen overnight. No, no. And I think that's a thing that God has worked on me on to say, there are times when I'm, I think I've shrunk back from that. Like, I don't, I don't want to like go in there and talk to you about something or whatever. But I think that I've looked at like, that's my role here. Mm-hmm. And that makes, it makes you better. It makes our staff better. It makes our church better by us going back and forth and having to step into those conversations and yeah, which we all need to do. I mean, that's on every level. And one of the reasons why Abe has been so effective because he's known around here as the guy who asks questions. He's always asking questions. And sometimes I've interpreted those questions as being uh, cynical or you had, or there's a question behind the question or you're trying to tell me, I disagree with you. So here's a question I'm trying to get you to agree. I mean, and sometimes it's just you asking a question. And, uh, uh, but that has pushed us back and forth to come to some good conclusions as a result. So that's, that's how we've gotten along with some of these things. So um, what else do we want to talk about along the lines of leadership? Or do you want to move into some other, other questions as it pertains to how a church our size uh, moves along? Yeah. I just wonder, you know, when Abe asks those questions, um, I, I know him and, and I know part of his heart here is uh, in a church that is growing and, that, and that's involved in so many different things and maybe our size, the the need for clarity is just incredibly strong and the need for alignment is just is, is off the charts i mean when you're a smaller church it's easy to be clear because you're speaking to everybody all, all at the same time every time you speak basically <clears throat> and here it's not like that and so we we need to make sure that everybody's clear on what more importantly than what why we're doing what we're doing and then what we're going to do um, because of that clarity. And then alignment is just getting everybody on the same page, moving the same direction. And Abe's heart is, let's get beyond the, we're just going to do this to, like, why are we doing it? And let's make sure we're on the same page from a staff level, from a leadership level, and then down to our, you know, all of our ministries and volunteers and ultimately congregation. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, so um, a couple of other questions we could we could tackle here along the way. Um Explain what it means to practically and passionately be a church trying to make more people more like Jesus. So that's kind of, that's the mantra. I mean, to your credit, you came up with that mantra. We've embraced it. It's on our logo. It's all over the place. How do we do that? And what are we doing in in recent days to make that really, really practical? I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I'll let you uh, talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's our vision, which basically means it's the lens that we put over um, everything that we look at. In other words, we want, we want to look at every ministry, every conversation. I mean, you could take this to the nth degree, right? We want to be a church that in everything we do makes more people more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the, the more people part of that is, it sounds simpler because it's, it, you know, it sounds like it's more measurable. It's easier to measure. You have more people in the building, more people getting saved, more people getting baptized, more people involved and invested. Uh, it's not quite that simple, but that is part of it. It's sort of the evangelism side of what we do, um, seeing more people join the kingdom, mm-hmm. not just Sailorville Church, but join the kingdom. And then the more like Jesus is really discipleship. It's sanctification. It's growth. It's how are we practicing the, uh, the commands, the teaching, and then how are we imitating the actions of Jesus? And so evangelism is a big deal for us. And on the other side of the same coin is discipleship and uh, We've had several resources for the evangelism side of that. One is a starting point study or a four-part uh, salvation truth study that we've used. 
And there's other things too, but that's been a key to, to seeing people come to know Christ. And on the discipleship side, we just developed this and uh, printed, and now we're starting to use a discipleship, uh, basically a growth guide for disciples. How, how do I become more like Jesus? And so it walks through our seven core values, which we believe are characteristics of Christ that we can imitate and emulate in order to be more like him. So it's a booklet. And it's brand new. It's kind yeah. of hot off the press, and, yeah. and we've got some... Uh, We've got some templates. We've got some people test plots yes. uh, going at it right now. Do yeah. we not? Yeah, that's good. Uh, what other what other thoughts in the last couple of minutes that we have here that are on either one of your minds that you think uh, our listening and watching audience might uh, might want to know about? Yeah, we we talk about uh, relationships in our group connect, which is sort of an orientation or a or a gateway into cell groups, and we just had one this last week. And one of the things that we really uh, continue to come back to is the the importance of having an, an intimacy with God, that primary relationship. So, how is your relationship with God? It's something that we ask each other often. Uh, what are you reading in God's Word? What difference is that making? How's your relationship with other believers, which is accountability and encouragement and sometimes challenge? And then how's your relationship with people that are maybe outside the, the kingdom, people that don't know Jesus yeah. yet? And all three of those relationships sort of come together in, uh, in a way that we would say that's a person that's growing. And so it's a challenge to me to have all three of those spheres of relationships really turning the dial up on all of them. And uh, maybe a challenge to somebody listening or watching. It's been a good reminder to me to share that with others, you know, and to share it with my own heart first. Yeah. And actually, everything you said, <laughs> apart from the organization, is 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 not new. It's nothing new no. under the sun. And no. we talked about that at our staff meeting today about uh, one, one of the staffers brought up the fact that uh, in our fireside chat with the other day, I, I made the comment that while we're doing, we're, we were casting a a new vision for 2021 and some of the new stuff we're doing, mm -hmm. but never at the expense of the things we must always do, which is to preach the gospel, preach the word, be true to God's word, uh, seeing in the efforts of seeing more people to become more like Jesus in that sanctification process. That's one yeah. thing we never mm -hmm. want to shirk on at all. And if you happen to be catching this podcast as one who's an outsider looking in, you don't know Jesus, you don't know what it means to become a Christian, the gospel is incredibly simple, but also very profound. The simplicity is this. God loved you and loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to come to this world, born as a baby, live a perfect life, never sinned, tempted, but never sinned, and then allowed himself to be abused in the most radical kind of way and then died on the cross and took my sins and your sins, our sins, upon himself uh, as, a, as, a, as a sacrifice, as a substitute to die in our place. And on that cross, and then three days later, rose from the dead victoriously, just as he promised he would. And here's the deal. If you will believe that, that Jesus did that for you, and place your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you can have eternal life and be in the kingdom of God. And uh, so if you've never trusted Jesus, we trust you will. And thanks so much for listening today uh, to this podcast uh, from Sailorville Church.